Welcome to the Southridge Church Podcast. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we want you to stay connected with us. You can find us on sanjose.cc or subscribe to the podcast. Well, take your Bible, if you would, the book of Genesis. Book of Genesis, chapter number three. We're a Bible preaching church, and uh, we firmly believe that this is the authority for our life. And so we'd love for you to take your Bible to Genesis chapter number three. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one. You can see one of our leaders at the back. We'd love to give you a free Bible. Or you can download our app. Our app has a Bible built into the app software. So you can have a copy of God's Word. Genesis chapter number three. We are in a series entitled Modern Romance. And the goal of this series is making the difficult work of relationships easier, not easy. Relationships aren't easy. Uh, If anybody tells you it's easy, they haven't been in one long enough. So the goal of this series is making the difficult work of relationships easier, not easy. Genesis chapter number 3, I want to begin reading in verse number 1, and we're going to read through to verse number 20 this morning. Verse number 1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the one tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. I would remember that. Verse number four, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, stop there for just a second. That's Satan's goal right there. His goal has not changed. His goal was to take something that God said is bad and say it's good. God said this fruit is bad. What did Satan say? It's good. Culture is trying to take what is bad and say it's good and take what is good and say it's bad. It's the oldest trick of the devil. And we need to be aware of this. Continuing in verse number 6, the Bible says, And it's pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. Wait a minute. I thought she said in verse number 3, if you touch it, you're going to die. She took it. That means she had to touch it. She didn't have one of those grabber sticks to grab it and make sure she didn't touch it. She took it. She didn't die. So immediately, she does the next thing. She eats it, and then the scripture says, and she gave to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings from them for themselves. Fig leaves, the material of fig leaves is actually very itchy, and so sin always makes you stupid, so it's not very smart to go against what God wants. And then the eyes of both of them were open, so they sowed these fig leaves. Verse 8, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid themselves from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? 
Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, and this is not very good dating advice or relationship advice. The woman you put here with me. How many guys? Let's be honest. We've done this, right? Well, you told me to turn there. Well, you told me that I could wash those colors with those whites. You said this would go well in a recipe. Oh, you say, you know, we're real quick. We're, we're, we're actually, this, this is old. I mean, Adam's been doing this. Then he goes on, says, the woman that you gave me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. We learned something powerful in a couples conference, and I'm going to bring it up again because it bears repeating. God, and this is not chauvinistic, God put the man in charge to lead. What happened here is Eve took the lead. And we all experienced the downfall because the woman was leading when the man was supposed to be leading. Men, if you're here and you are uh, a man called by God and you're married, you are to lead your home spiritually. You're the one that's supposed to be leading. Adam wasn't leading. You and I are supposed to be spiritual leaders. Don't make it so your wife is the one dragging you out of bed to get to church. You should be dragging the family out of church and uh, out of bed to get to church. Don't be the one that says, oh, I don't know if we need to pray for meals. No, no, no. You, you lead and you say, no, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's got to be your decision. How many times in the church do I see more godly women than I see godly men? I pray by the grace of God that Southridge could be a different place. We love the godly ladies of this church. But even the godly ladies are looking for godly men. I'll tell you that right now. Men who love God, men that know what's right and know what's wrong, and that'll do what's right and not do what is wrong. Let's continue reading. This passage preaches so well. Verse 14, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be to your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. And I'm going to build the entire message around verse number 20. Notice, please, what it says. Adam named his wife Eve because she, was, she would become the mother of all the living. You know, Eve's having a bad day, wouldn't you say? <laughs> this is a very no good, horrible, very awful bad day for Eve. She didn't wake up, drop the kids off at school, go get a nice latte and head to Target. All right, it wasn't that kind of a day. And then after Target, you get to get your nails done, then you get to do your hair, meet up with some girlfriends, have a nice little lunch, and then go pick up the kids from school, and their homework's done, they're all good, and they go play out in the backyard, and you just wait for your hubby with a big, fat, juicy steak. No, no, that's not the kind of day it was. All right? That'd be a good day. But I'll tell you, this is a bad day. This day starts off really bad for Eve. You know... I mean, we left off in chapter 2. Adam is reciting poetry to Eve. 
bone in my bone, flesh in my flesh. And then the very next verse we pick up, and now the serpent, cunning serpent, he moves in slowly. And then Eve is tricked by this serpent. He's tricked by Satan. Now in this passage, it doesn't say it was Satan. Other scriptures corroborate that it was Satan who indwelled this animal to deceive Eve. So she's tricked by Satan, and then she's traumatized. Say, what do you mean traumatized? The scripture that we read said that she felt shame. We don't know how long she's been alive, how long she's experienced life, but remember the first age you experienced true shame? Today, uh, children will go a few years before they truly experience shame. Sometimes as parents, we're guilty of trying to shame our children for maybe spilling their food on the table and and kind of getting it all over our clothes. And we can really shame them sometimes. But you got to think, how old might they be? Two, three? My one-year-old doesn't really know if you shame them. A two-year-old may know. But here, for the very first time, she feels shame. Shame is a vulnerable feeling, wouldn't you say? Shame is an uncovered feeling. It means like you don't have a, a sense of self. You feel violated. So she's feeling shame, but not just shame. The next, it goes on that they begin to hide. Why did they hide? Because they were afraid. I mean, we've known fear, but to never know fear, and all of a sudden the emotion of fear just seizes you to the moment you're going to hide? She's being traumatized by this. Everything that's happening is so difficult. And then it goes on, we see the tragedy of separation from God's presence. But the hope of this passage is this, and I love this. Even if you fall hard, you can rise strong. That's what this scripture is teaching us. That you can fall hard. You can fall hard into sin and yet still rise strong. And that's what I want to preach and teach this morning. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I pray you take this word. I pray that it would sow deep into our hearts. I pray that we would realize that in relationships, it's going to be difficult. But yet, even when we fall hard, we can rise strong. So help us this morning. Use your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So how do you rise strong? How do you rise strong and overcome all the trauma in your life? Trauma is very real. Trauma is something that has seized many people. Matter of fact, one out of every five people will be uh, victimized or brutalized in some immoral, illicit act. One out of every five. So if you're dating or if you're engaged or you're married, more than likely there's some past trauma that you did not cause, but yet you're dealing with because somebody else did it to them. And the thing about trauma that makes it so difficult and so insidious and so painful is that trauma is often caused... By someone we trusted. Caused by a parent. Caused by an aunt or an uncle. A close friend. Maybe even somebody you were in love with. And that trauma has now created such a wound. And it hurts so deeply that you close yourself off. You can't engage fully. Maybe you've been in a relationship with somebody. And you can tell they're distant. You can tell that you've done something. Or you've said something that has triggered them. You haven't triggered them. You've triggered their trauma. It brought back a painful memory. A painful experience. And they're not trying to cause you harm or discomfort. It's the trauma. I say it like this. Sometimes love has landmines. You didn't even know it was there. But I will say this. Can you... 
Stay in the relationship. Because what trauma needs is time to build trust. And oftentimes, people will say, you need to just love me. You just need to get along with me. You just need to snap out of it. You just need to do this. And it's like, that's not how it works. Trauma is real, my friend. You can't go through years and years of trauma and think that suddenly it'll, uh, it'll just all be melted away. Any of you have ever seen some of the TV shows where they will deal with uh, uh, animals who have just been traumatized? And there's a show that was on, I think it was the Dog Whisperer, and he would bring these dogs that if you were to just reach your hand, the dog would just, just cower back. It's experiencing a trauma that every time it saw a hand, it knew it was going to be hit in the head. So it just shrinks back. And maybe you're in a relationship that every time you go with a loving touch, it shrinks back. That's a sign of trauma. But how do you transform trauma? Well, this verse is going to be a help to us. Because I love it. The Bible says that Adam named his wife Eve. Because she would become the mother of of all the living. Isn't that powerful? You say, what do you mean? Well, I love it. Adam's name and Eve. Here's the deal. What was Adam's job prior to the fall? Name the animals. Name the animals. So why is he naming Eve? Anybody grow up on a farm or worked around a ranch or anything like that? Just curious. Anybody have any animals that you could eat. Chickens, pigs, cows, you know, edible animals. <laughs> what is the one rule they tell you never to do? Don't name them. Don't name them. You don't want to name that cow. You don't want to name that pig. You don't want to name that chicken. Because you don't want to be looking at old Bessie. Thinking, old Bessie tastes so good. Why do I feel so guilty? Why, why do I feel like this? That's not why he named Eve. It wasn't so he could just manipulate it. No, it wasn't name it to tame it and claim it. No, he's naming it because it's connection. When you name something, you're saying, I have a connection with this thing. I had the privilege of being there when all three of my children were born and Jane and I had prayed and we had thought about names and the names had a connection. Connection to us, connection for them. What he's saying is, Eve, I know you feel shame right now. I know you feel the trauma of everything you've done. Yeah, Eve, you, you kind of ruined humanity. <laughs> it was a bad day. But I want you to know this. That's your past. Yeah. It ain't your future. Yeah. What did he say? You're the mother of all living. Wow. Hey, you're not the past that is death. You're the life. You're the future. There's a future on the other side of this. And some of you may be here saying, what I've been through, what I've experienced, or what I've done, there's no future there. Yes, my friend, there is. That's the power of the gospel. That's the good news of the gospel, that you and I can fall hard and rise strong. And so Adam is embodying that. He's saying, Eve, I'm with you, ride or die. It would have been an easy moment for him to just say, I'm out. But he doesn't do that, does he? So if you're going to transform your trauma, you need to understand three words. These three words are really truth that can transform. The first word is the word love. Do you understand love? Do you understand true love? Because love can transform trauma. Too often we talk about love, but we don't really understand love. 
Adam is saying, Eve, I'm sticking with you. I love you. I know we've messed this thing up. And yeah, I know. I kind of threw you under the bus in front of God, and that wasn't cool. But I'll spend the next couple hundred years trying to trying to smooth that over. And don't worry, I'll take those chores. And, 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 and don't worry, I, I, I'll make this up to you. I'll build you a nice house by the lake that you wanted. I'll, I'll make up for it. But he's saying, Eve, I'm sticking with you. I'm choosing you. You see, Adam is saying, I love you. I'm going to stay connected to you. You know, you can't judge Adam's motives for eating the forbidden fruit, but you can judge his actions. His actions by taking the fruit said, yes, I know what I'm doing, and I want to be with her. I want to stay with her. But it's also bigger when you name something. Adam's job was to name the animals. But a name also happens to be associated with identity. My name is Micaiah Ermler. My last name, Ermler, identifies me with the Ermler family. It's an identity. He's giving her a new identity. She's not a victim. She's not her sin. She's not her mistake. She is Eve, the mother of all living. She is Eve. She has a future. You are not the divorcee, the addict, the anger issue. You are not the trauma. You are not the victim. You are the child of God, the son of God, the daughter of God. You have a future this morning. That's the power in this passage. That's the glory here. That's how you and I can fall hard. And my friend, we are going to fall hard. But the hope is we will rise strong. Are you willing to rise strong? It starts with love. And Adam got it. You see, Adam was helping to show her that she had a great purpose still ahead of her. Her purpose was she was going to be a mother. She was going to be a mom. She was going to give life. Something that she never thought would happen because she had thought there's only death. But God gave her a promise. No, you're going to have life. And it's because Adam was willing to show her love because Adam understood that love has no loopholes. I mean, think about the life for Adam prior to Eve. He's the bachelor that has the world. Somebody recently asked, I wonder how much the planet costs. Like, if you could buy it, could you buy it? And how much would you have to pay for the planet? Adam got the world. It was just him. He's got to hang out with his animals, do whatever he wanted to do. Life was pretty good for Adam. I mean, think about it. When he got to name the animals, there was nobody to second guess his choice in names. So when he looked at that thing that was swimming in the water with a bill like a duck, but a body like a beaver and a tail like, I don't know what it's like. He says, you're a platypus, man. Yeah, yeah. Eve wasn't like, "Mm." What's that, honey? You don't like that name? Okay, we'll change it. Okay, all right, all right. He didn't have none of that. Man, when he went to go pick out a car, he could pick the color he wanted. He didn't have no honeydew list. And it would have been a, a easy for him to say, I want to go back to that. It was easier. I didn't have to worry about babysitting you around the fruit. Okay? I didn't have to make sure that he, who you were talking to. No, he said love has no loophole, so I'm not looking for the exit. Today, isn't it amazing how we look for exits? Things get difficult. Things get bumpy. We're like, oh, I don't know if this is real. And then we start thinking or asking this question. Did I marry the wrong person? Am I in the wrong relationship? But when you understand love has no loopholes. But let's go back and let's learn some lessons that Adam should have 
tuned into. First of all, when you value something, you don't leave it vulnerable. Adam's biggest mistake in verse number one, if you truly valued Eve, you wouldn't leave her vulnerable. Any of you have a safe at your house? Not that we're going to break in or rob. Okay, if you've got a safe. I wonder what you put in it. You ever put your leftovers in it? You know, that leftover meatloaf you didn't really care for, but, you know, you ate it, and you told the person you made it, mmm, good, mmm, and you wish you had a dog to feed it to? Did you put your leftover candy wrappers in it? Did you put something that you didn't care about from the trash in it? I'm being a little bit ridiculous, aren't I? Because the safe is where you put your valuables. Why is it that you get that you're supposed to protect some things, but when it comes to the most cherished thing that God can give you is a spouse, you don't protect it. That means when you know they've had a bad day, you don't push them over the edge and watch them blow up and act like it's their fault when you knew you kept pushing. I know when my kids and when my wife has had too much, I don't need to keep pushing. I want to protect them from themselves blowing up. Not because I don't think they have enough self-control. It's that I value and I won't leave them vulnerable. It's why when my children are watching something they shouldn't be watching, I want to make sure that we turn it off. And I want to teach them to turn it off. We don't want it in the house. We're careful about what they view on TV. We're careful about what gets in their mind. We're careful about where they spend their time. I'm so proud of my son, Austin, because there was a book that I gave him, and I thought it was fine. It was a Star Wars book, and I was like, it's Star Wars. Star Wars is acceptable and appropriate, and so I gave him the book, and I was so proud of him because he came to me, because if you watch all the original, the OG Star Wars movies, uh, New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi, in Return of the Jedi, there's a scene in that movie where Princess Leia is not dressed appropriate for our worship team, if we could put it like that. And my son was like, oh, dad, uh, this is a bad book. And I was like, way to go, man. I'm so proud of you. Man, good job. You can spot what you know is bad. Instead of lingering, instead of wondering and pondering, then you get out the Sharpie and you paint a little dress on that. You know, give her some, uh, some long sleeves, get a nice big flowing skirt, you know, give her a little turtleneck, and there you go. You could have that book back. We took care of Princess Leia. She's modest, good church girl now. Man, that's what I'm talking about. But do you do that with your children? You say they're precious. You guard their minds and their hearts. Because if you won't guard their minds and their hearts, somebody else is going to be feeding their mind and their hearts. I got convicted because I was more careful about the food that I gave my kids than the food that they were eating in their minds and in their hearts. Because we wanted organic, gluten-free, fat-free, all that nasty food. And we were like, you can only eat this, you can only eat this. But I didn't worry about what I was feeding their minds and their hearts. And let me say this, the second lesson you can learn from Adam is not only if you value it, then don't leave it vulnerable. Secondly, if you feed it, you're fueling it. Look what she was feeding. She was feeding herself. Because why? She wanted to be like God. Knowing good and evil. What are you feeding yourself? Because you're fueling that thing inside of you. Instead of saying, no, I don't need that in my life. You and I need to take control of what could control you. And then I love this. Verse number 20. The whole truth is Adam is finally taking responsibility. 
He's finally stepping into the relationship. Adam named his wife Eve. I I wonder why didn't he name her right away? Why did he wait? Because that's what us men do. I see this happen all the time. People will struggle in life or in relationships. And they'll be like, God, help me, help me, help me, God. And then God helps them. And then they stop going to church. They stop reading the word. They stop praying. They stop because they're good now. And they're going to wait until they get into another tragedy and emergency. Help me, God. Help me, God. Help me, God. Instead of understanding, no, I need God 24-7. I need him all the time. Why am I waiting just till another emergency? You see, Adam, man, he gets a wife, is good, because she's like, she had a good day. She went and got her latte. She went to Starbucks, and then she went to Target. After Target, she got her nails done. Then I come home, and I just relax. Instead of doing what he should do, he had to work. He was supposed to name things, call out their identity, call out their potential. And instead, he doesn't do that. But I love how he does come back, and he finishes strong. And what does he do? You see, it didn't start with Adam, but it ended with Adam. You may be in a relationship with somebody who has past trauma and you didn't cause that trauma and sometimes in a discussion, in an argument or just life situations you'll look over and say honey, I'm not your dad. I didn't do that to you. Or you may look over and say to your husband I'm not your mom. I, I didn't do that to you. What happened? Something triggered the trauma and what happens Oftentimes, you and I will say, I didn't do that to you. Stop acting like that. Stop blaming me. I can't believe you bring that attitude in here. You can't fault them for that. Yes, you didn't cause the trauma, but you can say, you know what? It didn't start with me, but it's going to end with me. That's what a, a, a leader does. That's what somebody who loves God does. We step back and we say, you know what? Yeah, it didn't start with me, but it's going to end with me. Please write this down if you're taking notes. Just because it's not your fault doesn't mean it's not your responsibility. It wasn't Adam's fault. It was his responsibility. It totally was. But how many people want to shirk their responsibility? So first of all, we understand love have no loopholes. Secondly, we need to understand death. You know, this passage, there is a death. Adam just didn't see it right away. The death that happened was the separation between man and God. Galatians 5.24 says those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Adam just picked the wrong death. I had a mentor and friend when I was working at a previous ministry. His name was Pastor Brigadotica. He was a well-known pastor in the Philippines. And as a matter of fact, uh, anybody ever shop at the old Walmart off of Monterey and Blossom Hill? You ever shop there? Remember the big old Walmart? You met him. You say, what? He was the greeter, the tallest Filipino man you've ever seen. Now, he was older, but he was the nicest guy. And he would always talk to you, and he'd always say hi, and he'd be like, I got things to do. And he'd be like, I don't care. Let's pray. Let's talk. He was just a great man. Well, every Monday when I would work at this ministry before I was married, he would take, he and I would take, it would go and preach at convalescent homes. And then he found out that I was engaged to Jane, who was also Filipino. And then he told me one day, he said, Mr. Makaya, there are three rings in the relationship. First, there is the engagement ring. Second, there is the wedding ring. And third, 
there is the suffering. And I was like, what? He's like, yes, the suffering. And uh, I was like, oh, man, are you kidding me? And, uh, but, babe, it's never been any suffering. We've never suffered. It's always been good. It's always been great. It's been bliss. Wedding bliss. But here's the reality of it. Your relationship and my relationship, there will be some times when you're going to need to die. Now, not physically, but you're going to say, my pride needs to die right now. My ego needs to die right now. My plans need to die right now. My hopes need to die right now. Adam picked the wrong death, didn't he? He picked the death that was, I'm going to blame and I'm going to resist and I'm going to run from this. And you and I often pick the same type of death. If you are married in this place, maybe at the ceremony, the officiant or the pastor said, till death do you part. It's taken from Romans chapter number 7, verse number 2 is where it's taken from. And it's this idea that that's only death will separate us. But you have to pick the right death. What are you dying to? My mom raised seven children. And I would always hear my mom, because we were just at each other's throats all the time, always fighting. And she would say, calling from upstairs, yelling downstairs, she would say, can somebody please die to themselves? I was like, what does that mean? I don't know what it means, but I'm getting out of the house. I don't, I don't want to wait around to find out. But later on, I realized she was saying, can somebody die to their desires? Because I was always fighting over food or clothes, or we were fighting over who got the remote, who got to play video games. What if you were looking to die to yourself? Say, how can I serve my wife? How can I serve my husband? Looking for those ways to say, it's not my will. The Apostle Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Every day is death on your mind. Do you say, God, I'm going to need to die today. Because somebody's going to cut you off. Somebody's going to hurt you. Somebody's going to do something rude or mean. And if you're not dead to self, you're going to want to react. You and I could go to a cemetery this morning, and we could go to a cemetery and say the nicest words to that tombstone. That guy's not going to get a big head. That lady's not going to get it all puffed up and prideful. It's not going to happen. You can use even some of the most foul curse words at that person. They're not even going to get mad or offended because they're dead. God calls you and I to the same. And you and I get that in our work. We get it around family, but we don't get it in our relationships. That when we are fighting, we need to say, hold on. I'm going to die to my rights. We can go to any restaurant. We can pick out whatever you want. This can be however you want. I'm okay with it because I love you. You see, if you're going to transform trauma, you need to understand death. You need to understand it. Thirdly, you need to understand God. You see, God steps in here. In verse 21, the Bible says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat it and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden took the ground, uh, to work the ground from which he was taken. After that, he drove the man out and placed the east side of the garden of Eden, the cherubim, and a flaming sword. You know, God redeemed them from their faults. Redeem means to buy back. God paid the price. 
God didn't just redeem them from their faults. God restored them from their fall. He picked them up and he said, let me give you some better clothes. Let me fix that. And then he does the most loving thing. God removed them from the fruit. God says, I'm going to get you far away from this thing. Because I love you. Some of us don't understand why God removes relationships and situations from our lives because there's something there that's not good for us. The Bible says every good and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. Comes from above. So if the thing you want, God's not giving it to you, it's not a good gift. It's not good for you. It doesn't mean you're evil, you're wicked, but there's some things that God says, no, no, I'm going to remove that from you. God says, I'm going to keep you from the tree. What was the tree? The tree of life. The tree that you and I will eat of in heaven. You will get to eat of it one day in heaven, but not here on earth. God says, no, 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 I've got to keep you from that. Otherwise, you'll be forever trapped in a body that's decayed, decaying and dying. There's a story of a pastor by the name of Pastor Paul. He was a pastor in Boston. He was standing out in front of his church. And as he was standing there, he watched a little boy walk by. The little boy had a birdcage. And inside the cage were all these little birds. And the pastor looked at the little boy and he said, what you got there? The little boy says, some birds. He said, what are you going to do with them? Poke them with the stick. What else are you going to do? Uh, play some games with them. Mess with them a little bit. And then the pastor asked, what do you do after you're done playing games with them? Feed them to my cat. And the pastor said, Can I buy those birds? You want to buy my birds? Yeah, I want to buy your birds. They don't sing very good. Just little old birds. The pastor said, I'll buy it. Pulls out his wallet. How much? Five dollars. Pastor says, Okay. Ten dollars. Okay. okay, here you go. And then the boy hands the pastor the birdcage. What do you think the pastor did? Yeah, he opens it up. Let the birds go free. You know you and I are the birds. And you know nobody put us in the cage. We picked the cage. Every time we sin, every time we choose our way instead of his way, we're going back to the cage, the bondage, the struggle. But God saw Satan playing games with us when we were in the cage, saw that unless he did something to rescue us, there wasn't a cat waiting for us, but eternal hell and punishment was waiting for us. And God says, I have a plan. And it's not going to cost $5. It's not going to cost $10. It's not going to cost $20. It's going to cost a life for our life. But who is worthy? Jesus was the only one who was worthy. And Jesus did nothing. And in spite of all that Jesus does, you and I can still look at Jesus who died and still says, Jesus, I don't really care. I know you saved me from this cage, but I'm going to go find another one. I'll go find another cage. 
After all Jesus does for us, after, after setting us free from the trauma and transforming us and, and, and doing all of this, we still pick cages of our own making instead of understanding that God is trying to free us from these cages. Yeah. But the great truth is that God was demonstrating His love. Because even like Adam, God says there's no loopholes to my love. I still love you. And He gladly gives His life for you. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. God opened the cage and He gives life to whoever will accept Him. Whoever feels far and distant, traumatized, God says there's freedom. Can we stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? Worship team, would you please come out? The truth of the gospel is that you can fall hard and rise strong, but not of your own power, but of the power of God. This morning, do you know Jesus is your Savior? Do you know that He died for your sins? Do you know that you can receive the forgiveness of sins and accept Him into your heart and make Him your Lord and Savior? Have you ever done that? With heads bowed and eyes closed, how many of you would say, this morning I want to receive Christ as my Savior? And with an upraised hand, you say, yes, I want to receive Christ as my Savior. Is that you? You don't know Him, but you want to receive Him? If you'd like to pray and talk with anybody at the end of the service, we'll be available. Please find one of our leaders. I'd love to pray with you. Let me talk to the rest of us. Maybe your relationship has suffered a fall. Maybe it seems like you can never recover. And maybe this morning you just needed a little bit of hope to hold on to. Well, the couple that cursed the entire human race, if they can recover, so can you. If they can fall hard and rise strong, so can you. That's the good news of the gospel. But we'd still like to pray for you. Do you need prayer in this place? You'd say, Pastor, with an upraised hand, I need that prayer. Would you pray for me? Is anybody like that? I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Oh, hands up all over. Oh, God bless you. God bless you. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, your goodness abounds beyond what our sin could do. Your love covers it, goes beyond it, and we're so grateful and thankful for it. Right now, you saw hands raised who said that they feel as if they have fallen or they are struggling. Maybe they're struggling with some past hurts and trauma, and they don't feel like they can ever get victory. They feel like they can never love fully or engage fully. Help them this morning. Speak to them. Father, we just pray that you draw near to them. Your word promises, the wonderful promise that you are near to those of a broken and contrite heart. So my friend, if you're here and that's your heart, God hears the cry of your heart. And the worship team's going to lead us in a song of worship. And as the worship team does, I'm going to open up the altar. If you want to slip out of your seat and pray here, I'll meet you here. If you want to make an altar of your seat and you want to pray there, or you want to slip out and pray and receive Christ, I will meet you. But right now, as the worship team leads us in a song of praise, would you slip out and you pray and seek God and seek His love and seek the truth that can transform you? Would you do that? 
worship team. Thank you again for spending time with us today. And a special thanks to those who give generously to Southridge Church. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about Southridge, you can follow us on social media at Southridge Now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with a friend or even take a screenshot and share it on your social story. Make sure you tag Southridge Church and let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.